Well, it's good to see everybody this morning in the house. We uh, wanted to let you know that um, in Turkey and in Syria, 45,000 people have died due to the earthquakes, and uh, 5.4 million people are now homeless. And I want to let you know that we've partnered with um, Convoy of Hope. That's a mission that we support every month, and they are uh, right now between Turkey and Syria uh, have been distributing 250,000 meals along with those meals. They're providing survivor kits and water filter and hygiene kits and baby care kits and clothing and diapers and blankets. So I just want you to know, thank you for your generosity. It's going outside this building and helping those that are in need all over the world. And we pray for Turkey and Syria during this difficult time. Now, last week I... Uh, kind of veered off course to talk about what I felt in my heart to talk about. And today I want to, um, I want to talk, it kind of goes with that, but it leads us into our series, Relationships Are Hard. Everybody say relationships are hard. Now, one of the hardest relationships for some people is their relationship with God. Now, you can have relationship with Co-workers, you can have relationships with your mama, your, your stepmom, your in-laws, your brothers, your sisters, your church family, your small group. You can have relationships with them, but if your relationship with God is off and it feels frustrating, it can be a place of difficulty that affects every area of our lives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so I want to talk to those people in the room today that feel like maybe you're a professing Christian and you're a believer, but it's still hard to feel like God loves you, he approves you, he's got his hand on you. You come to church every week, but you still feel that, and it's hard to actually walk in your relationship with God because it does, it feels hard. For some, there may be in the in the room today or joining us online that you are not bought in completely to the idea of faith because from the outside looking in, it just looks too hard. For others, you may love God, love the church, but you have struggles that make it difficult and your relationship with God can feel up and down, rocking from time to time, your flaws and your shortcomings can make your relationship with God hard. And if you and I were honest today, there are times it's hard to pray. Sometimes it's hard to trust God. Sometimes it's hard to have faith. And if we were honest, I think many of us can relate to the idea that sometimes it's hard to come to church. It's like the story I heard of the man who was laying in bed and the mother came in and says, son, you need to get up, it's time to go to church. The son rolls over in his bed and says, I'm not going to church today and I'll tell you three reasons. Number one, I don't like the people. Number two, the people don't like me. Number three, and I don't wanna go. The mother responds, you are going to church and I'll give you three reasons why. I'm your mother. Number two, uh, you're 42 years old. And number three, you're the pastor. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know church can be hard? It, relationships can be hard. And I want to take your attention to Luke chapter 19. 
That's the oldest preacher's joke in the world. I enslaved you guys this morning. Can't believe that even went over good. Luke chapter 19. A very familiar passage many of us have heard, especially if you grew up in church. Maybe you've heard this in Sunday school or um, in church at some point. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And he entered Jericho, talking about Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, somebody say today. today. Salvation has come to this house. Since he is also, since he also is a son of Abraham, verse 10, really important. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. What we see in this passage, I think, relates to so many of us in our personal lives when we're talking about relationship with God can seem hard. When we look at Zacchaeus, we find that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to encounter Jesus. He wanted to observe Jesus. But there were some obstacles in the way for him to do so. And the first of which is his reputation. Everybody say reputation. He was a tax collector. How many of you love the IRS? <laughs> Since the Jews were overthrown by Rome, they were required to pay taxes to the Roman Empire. And the Roman, uh, the Roman people employed local Jews to collect taxes from their peers. And they could tax you on anything. If you were coming by that way, whether you're from the port uh, with your fish or you're traveling through, they could tax you on as many things in your cart. They could tax you on every wheel. They could tax you on every child. They could tax you on how many items you had. They could tax you a ton. Because the deal with the Jews who were tax collectors in Rome was that Rome gave a price to the Jewish individual and said, if you can just give me this much tax from your region, that'll be great. And from those individuals, that'll be perfect. And anything you mark up from there is yours to keep. So they were, they were highly incentivized to overtax people who would come through, locals, pilgrims, whatever it was, they would highly tax people. And so they were known for being corrupt. They were hated by the local Jewish friends and family. These Jews that were tax collectors would actually purchase a, what they called a tax franchise. So they were scoundrels from the outset. They would want to make this money, so they would pretty much betray their own people and sign up and pay to purchase this tax uh, collecting business on behalf of the Romans. 
So there was, there was, due to that, a natural dislike for those individuals. And tax collectors were considered traitors, scoundrels, betrayers, snakes, unclean, polluted. That's why several times in the New Testament, you typically see tax collectors in the same verses alongside prostitutes and sinners. Not everybody loved tax collectors. His reputation preceded him. Not only was the Bible say he was a tax collector, the scripture says he was a chief tax collector, meaning that he was the top of the pyramid, that money was funneling up to him. He was a big boy in the tax world. He was a really bad guy. And the Bible says not only was he corrupt, not only was he a chief tax collector, but he was very rich in a poor shipping fishing community, Zacchaeus would have been very known, would have been very hated. He would have been very disliked. People knew him. And sometimes it's hard to see Jesus for who he is because of what we think other people think about us. I want you to hear me today. There are many people who are not in this building today or joining us online because when they come to the house of God, their experiences in the past have communicated to them that they have felt judged by those of us in the church. Talk back to me, church. They feel judged by others for where they are in life. So there are horror stories I'm sure you've heard or that you've experienced of people when they go into a church or they get around Christians and they feel this big because of where they are in life, because they don't look like Christian people and they don't sound like people that go to church and they don't like read their Bible 800 hours a week. And it's easy for church people who have been doing this a long time for us to be judgmental toward the individuals that are just trying to see Jesus. Am I talking to anybody? And sometimes they may feel like they don't have the right clothes or they're not the right race or they're not the right background or they don't make enough money or they don't have everything going for them. And let me just quote our friends Kevin and Melissa Goff when they were here a few weeks ago. And let me just steal this and I'm only gonna quote them once because after this, it's definitely mine. Vibrant church is a church that cares where you're going and not where you've been. We cannot be a church that looks down at people for what we may know about them. Now, I'm new to Columbus, Mississippi. I'm new to the old dirty south. And one thing I'm learning about the old dirty south is that everybody knows everything about everyone, everywhere, of all time. Come on, don't leave me hanging. You know it's true. I could get gas on one end of town, and before I get to the office, someone says, how much was gas at the gas station? How'd you know that? How did you know that? If we're not careful, we could let what we know about people 
be whispered among us, you know, they've been divorced. You know, they got a tattoo last week. I'm going straight to hell. H A I L. Hail. Yeah, two, somebody said two syllables. Hey, yo. All right, moving on. <laughs> but it, it could, we could easily look down at people. We could, the longer we're in church, sometimes we feel morally superior to individuals. And the reality of it is that if they're just trying to see Jesus, who are we to judge them? Who are we to be the guards at the door and say, you're not welcome here, you're not allowed here? I say open the doors and let them all in. We ain't the judge, we just supposed to love people where they are in life. And so you have Zacchaeus, who his reputation has gone before him, and what we assume others think about us can make it difficult to have a relationship with God. And number two, we find in the passage, number one being his reputation, number two being his limitation, limitation. Verse three says that, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. Now reputation is different than limitation. Reputation is what others think about you Limitations, what you know about you. There are a few things that can make a relationship with God hard, like the struggles and the shortness in our own lives. It's very easy to allow our shortcomings to become front and center in our relationship with God, resulting in a life of faith being frustrated and difficult. And for many people, I think this is where a lot of people are. They love God. They love the word of God. They love the church. They tithe, they serve, but they struggle. And they feel like they fall short. So their relationship with God seems hard because it's this perpetual state of condemnation, shame, guilt, heartache. It's almost like this doom loop cycle that you do good for a season and you feel confident, and you can worship with no reservations. You can come to the house of God and feel pure and feel clean, and then you fail, and instantly reminding you of your humanity, your flaws, your sin, and it makes it hard to have a confident relationship walk with God. And so we ask ourselves, how do I follow Jesus? How do I love God yet feel so short? How do I keep coming to church? And the devil gets in our ears and he'll call you a hypocrite, an imposter, a failure. You shouldn't be here. You're not really that good of a person. You're not really that holy of a person. Let me stop here and just help you. The Bible says all fall short. Everybody is Zacchaeus. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. In fact, I'll say this. I've never heard anybody say this. In the last seven days, I guarantee you 
every person who was here last Sunday, who is here this Sunday, at some point in seven days, felt short. Not only did they fall short, but they also were reminded of their shortness along the way. Yet, they're still here, and they still came, and as your pastor, I'm still preaching. I don't feel tall every day. I don't feel su sufficient in all my perfect, I'm not perfect, that's my wife. <laughs> not perfect, but hear me today, you just keep coming. Here's why you keep coming. It's not because we're good. It's because he's good. We don't come because we're perfect. We come because he's perfect. We don't come because we're perfectly holy. We come because he's perfectly holy. And when we are sure, we are reminded of the bigness of God. Many of us have been taught, maybe in our denominational backgrounds, maybe, we've, maybe we just somehow fall into the mentality that I just need to be bigger and I just need to be stronger. And yes, I understand growing in Christ and your faith getting uh, stable, but hear me today. Paul said, I have a thorn in my flesh. And it was the thing he struggled with that actually brought him closer to Jesus. And he says that his grace rested on me despite the thorn inside of me. So we curse our shortness. God is using that shortness to show you how big he really is, how faithful he really is, how loving he really is, how forgiving he really is. Because if you were tall, you think you got saved on your own. If you had perfect church attendance, perfect prayer, perfect, you would think this is all because of you, but the Bible says that you are saved by grace through faith. I bring nothing to the table but to call on the name of the Lord. He's done all things, and I'm saved because he knows how to seek and to save the lost. Get a big amen in the room, somebody. So we find Zacchaeus has a reputation. Number two, we find he has limitation. And number three, we find that there is population. The scripture says he could not see Jesus for the crowd. People were in the way. Because of the density of the crowd, he couldn't see around them. And because of his shortness, he couldn't see over them. And I want to help you today. The crowd somehow determines what we see in life. The crowd can make people feel small. The crowd will cancel you, by the way. The crowd will want to stone the woman caught in the act of adultery. The crowd will try to silence blind Bartimaeus. Can I just tell you today, the crowd can be a dangerous place sometimes. And sometimes those crowds, though well-meaning, have shaped our backgrounds. Maybe they're our families. Maybe they're our friends. Maybe they're our upbringing but they have developed a worldview that can limit what we see in life, including Jesus. The population around him, he was limited and he couldn't see Jesus for the people around him. You gotta be careful when you get around people who you can't see Jesus around. You may have to delete some phone numbers, block some people on social media, cancel some plans, cancel some stuff, because seeing Jesus is more important than being loved in the crowd. And, and, and what the Bible says next is really interesting. The scripture says that he is in this 
this, this moment and he feels that the people are observing him as being a tax collector. He's unclean, he's disliked, he's not loved, he's an outsider, he's, he is despicable in the eyes of the people. He is short, he can't see, and then the crowd is really dense. What is Zacchaeus to do? When all he just wants to see is Jesus. I would tell you today, he does the same thing. He did the same thing that many of us are guilty of today. The Bible says in verse four that he ran on ahead and he climbed a tree. So his reputation, his limitation, the population, and then there was the thing I think works against us, perspiration. I never thought I'd use that word in church. <laughs> but it's true. I think if we're not careful because of our shortness, our limitations, our reputation, what the people think, the crowd, we then go into running faster and climbing higher. We go into running faster, and when we sense it's hard to see Jesus, we start taking action into our own hands to start compensating for where we fall short and we start running faster and we start climbing higher. Now this is dangerous. I'm not going high because uh, we don't have good insurance. But let me show you. <laughs> what this is what many of us, our relationship with God looks like. That because I'm short, and because I failed, and because of the people, and because of my reputation, I'm just gonna climb real high into personal perfection. I'm gonna climb real high into denominational headquarters. I'm gonna climb real high and so that my image will look good. I'm gonna climb real high, and here's the thing. Sometimes it's good stuff, sometimes it's bad stuff. So sometimes we climb high so that, so that we think the higher we climb, the more we can see Jesus. Really, the higher we climb, the more sufficient we become on ourselves. And so we think, well, if I just made more money, that I'll, I'll be higher. If, if I just, if all my kids just, they, they, if they're just perfect, I'm just gonna climb, I'm an upstanding citizen. I, I'm this, I'm that. So we, get, we start trusting how high we can go. And I, okay, I'm from this, I, I was raised Baptist, so that's how I'm getting to heaven. That's, no one else is in there but us. I'm on the ladder. Jesus, you see this? And we climb these ladders and we try our best and we do our thing and we do these things to try to see Jesus, to elevate ourselves. So we become, sometimes we become the moral police, we become judgmental, whatever that is. We just kinda, we put ourselves in an elevated position and the Bible says that Jesus looked up and saw him. You know what caught my attention when I read that? The Bible says that Zacchaeus climbed to see Jesus, but it never says that he saw him. Isn't it funny that you could climb this high and still not see Jesus for who he really is? 
He climbs up to see Jesus, and the Bible says Jesus saw him before Zacchaeus saw Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus sees you? Jesus saw him. And when Jesus saw him, he said, Zacchaeus. How do you know my name? Zacchaeus. You talking to me? How did you know, how did you know my name? Can I tell you today, I find it so interesting that the society would know his name but call him by his flaws. But Jesus knows our flaws and calls us by our name. Jesus, in his mind, knew that he needed Zacchaeus to know that if I use your name, that means I know you. I have my eye on you. You matter to me. There is no indication that they even knew each other, but Jesus called him by name. I'm so glad that he calls us by name. In fact, I'll say this too, is that I think what's interesting when you think about that, that he calls him by name is that the scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that when we get to heaven, there's a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And in that book, there are the names of everybody who's ever called on his name. So if you've called on his name, he writes down your name. And when you get to heaven, it won't say how tall you were. It won't say your background. It won't say your race. It won't say the city you're from. It won't say your net worth. It will just say your name because you are saved when he writes your name in the blood of Jesus. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I've come to tell you today. He knows your name. And he says to Zacchaeus, he says, come down. He had climbed in a sycamore tree. You know what's interesting about a sycamore tree? Three things. Ready? If I could remember, I'd tell you. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Number one, the thing about a sycamore tree, the fruit has no flavor. Zacchaeus is committed to this course of action, to a lifestyle that has no tasteful fruit. Many of us, our relationship with God is hard because this is how you do it, and it's fruitless and tasteless lifestyle, a relationship with God. When you've built it on your own perfection, when you've built it on your own good works, when you built your relationship around your denominational background and your perfection, it is a fruitless lifestyle. It tastes nothing. It's, the Bible says taste and see that I'm good. Not the sycamore tree. Here's the other thing about the sycamore tree is that its roots go really, really deep. They're very hard to uproot. You know one of the hardest things to uproot out of somebody is legalism, tradition, ways of man, you can't hardly uproot them out of those kind of mentalities because it's such a deep-rooted thought that they gotta be a certain way, you gotta look a certain way, you gotta act a certain way, you gotta do church a certain way, and they get stuck in traditional thinking and the sycamore tree will hold root right there. The last one is this, the Egyptians, the local Egyptians 
from down by below them south. The Israelites didn't use a sycamore tree for much of anything. It was pretty much a useless wood. But the Egyptians, they would come and, and they would gather the sycamore trees and they would use them for coffins. This is a lifestyle. If your relationship with God is based on how high you can climb and how fast you can run, the end of that is death. There's no life there. There's, no, there's nothing healthy about this mentality that you think you and I can impress God, find favor with God, find maybe if I just climb a little higher, I'll bend his arm behind his back and he'll bless me and love me. Jesus calls him by name, calls him down from the tree, says, come down from there. Come down. This is why you've made this too hard, Zacchaeus. Why have you climbed so high? Why have you ran so hard? And for many people in the room, this is what it looks like. And when you fail, you feel like you go all the way to the bottom. You gotta climb back up. It was almost like Jesus said, what are you doing in a tree? It's almost like our places are switched. You're not supposed to be in a tree to say, see me. I'm supposed to die on a tree to save you. Maybe the reason most of our relationship with God is hard because we put ourselves on the cross. Is this too hard for the Bible Belt? We put ourselves up there and we think we're Savior and we think we're King and we think we're something. And look at me, God, I've done so much for you. He's thinking, I've come to seek and save your sorry lost self. You can't do a whole bunch for me, but I can do a whole lot for you. <laughs> he says, come down from there. Come down out of legalism. Come down out of cold, dead, dry religion. Come down out of that lifeless faith that you have. Come away from that regulation of prayer and things that still feel fake. Move away from those things. Come down. I'm going to your house. I'm not, I'm not, that's what I love about God. Jesus wants, wants him to understand that if you want me to impact your life, we ain't gonna do it in a tree. I'm coming to your house. You gotta bring me to an intimate place with you and I gotta be in an intimate place in your life. You gotta bring me to your, I gotta be every day, I gotta be every morning. You gotta talk to me. You gotta spend some time together. Take me to your house. Maybe the reason many of us have a frustrated, hard relationship with God because it's only Sunday. This side likes it better, let's go over here. Because it's only Sunday. And many of us will only crucify our flesh on Sundays. Many of us only try on Sundays. But Jesus said, take me to your whole house. Let's go to your house. Not the temple, not the tabernacle, not the priest. Let's go to your address because I want to bring salvation to you. Zacchaeus says to him, when he comes down off the tree, he says, he has this amazing conversion moment. He's like, I'm, if I've done anything wrong, I, I'll fix it right now. 
What's funny is the crowd's so upset when Zacchaeus comes down. Just like, the, just like church folk. Just like church. Classic old-fashioned church folk. What? It's just easy for us to be judgmental. The Pharisees are standing there. Sadducees are standing there thinking, we, we know the Torah. We know the Bible. We're, we're God's favorites. We're the preachers. We're the priests. And you're going home with this sinner? You're going home with this outcast? Surely you come home with me. I'm at least trying. He says, no, no. I won't call down Zacchaeus because I've come to seek. I've come to save those that are lost. He can't save nobody who don't think they're lost. Zacchaeus knew he needed Jesus. Everybody in those crowd just wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to meet Jesus. And here's what's interesting. He goes to his house. The crowd's upset. Everybody's flipping out, Zacchaeus. What's interesting about this story is there were six different tax collectors mentioned in the Bible, or excuse me, in the book of Luke. Six. You ready for this? Six, and only two are named. One is Matthew, and one is Zacchaeus. And the reason being is because in retrospect, when they did the writing, they were more known at that time. So when they would write their names, they didn't just write what they did, they wrote their names. So they wrote down Matthew, who ends up being a disciple, an apostle, a follower of Jesus, and then it says, Zacchaeus, the other tax collector. Church historians believe that Zacchaeus, later, after this encounter with Jesus, became a prominent Christian leader. Ended up being a pastor in Sisera. Ended up, life completely changed. Ended up leading people to Jesus. Ended up preaching the gospel. All because... He came down out of a tree. Jesus said, come down. Can I tell you today, what goes up must come down. Where you've gone up in your elevated thinking, where you've gone up in your own mentality, where you've gone up in your own arrogance, where me and you go up thinking that we can earn God's love and his favor and his grace, I've come to tell you today, if that's gone up, you have to bring it down. Jesus says, come down from there. I want to make this relationship simple. Let me come to your house. But don't you like how high I go? Aren't you proud of me? Aren't you see? He's like, I want to go to your house. I want to have an encounter with you. I want to spend time with you. You're my, you're my family is actually what he refers to him as. Son of Abraham, we're family. Can I tell you today, one of the main reasons so many people aren't in church, they get out of church, they try God for a while, they get out of it, they go up and down, it's up and down, up and down. They've just made this harder than it has to be. I don't want our church to be the kind of church that makes it harder than it has to be. 
Don't get me wrong, he says to pick up your cross and follow me. He says that. There's a part of this that he requires things of us. But he also said to come to him as little children. Simplify this thing. Maybe some of the reason many of us are so like anxious and want so frustrated and because we've climbed our trees, we've ran real hard, and we thought that we brought something to the table. But we all fall short. I'll tell you this, you know, when you think about, when you think about when you get to heaven, I think about this the other day, that when you get to heaven, I'm fully confident that you and I are gonna realize we had less to do with this than we thought. I think that all the time. Like on earth, we think we are everything with this. We are, it is Jesus plus me equals salvation, right? And me and my good works, me and my, me keeping the law, me doing everything perfect. But sometimes we're gonna have to remember when you get to heaven, I think you're gonna see as the Bible says salvation was under the Lord. He did this thing. All I do is have faith. The Bible says, Zacchaeus came down and received him gladly. Can I tell you today, come down out of that tree. Come down out of legalism. Come down out of tradition. Come down out of cold, dead, dry faith. He wants to come to your house. He calls you by name today. He loves you. He's graced you. He brought you here today to wake you up out of some mentality to kind of uproot the sycamore tree in your mind and in your life and to let you know I've come to seek and to save. It's not how high you climb. You didn't even see me. But I saw you with eyes closed all over the room. If you're in the room today and you feel like you've ran pretty hard, you've climbed the tree, you've trusted in the, what the scripture says, the arm of the flesh, you have thought that your good works makes God love you more or makes God love you less. You, you think that if you mess up and fail, God's mad at you and he hates you. Can I tell you today, he calls you by name, calls you off the tree and reminds you he died on the tree. Didn't just die for you, he died as you. And if you're in the room today and you just need to be still seeks you and wants to save you wants to help you, wants to heal you come down out of that tree if that's you today there could be a hundred hands right now I'm going to raise my hand on this one to let you know sometimes I think if I run higher, run harder, climb higher that he's going to love me more that I'm going to find more favor if today when I'm preaching to you, I preach to myself. If today you say, God, I want to come out of the tree, I want you to raise your hand all over the room. Say, God, I want to come down. I don't want to make this about me. Thank you for those honest hands. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's not about me. It's not about my perfection. It's about his perfection. For he hath made him to become sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You can put your hands down. So many hands went up today. I 
want you to just repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, help me come down from the tree. Forgive me for trusting in me. Forgive me for thinking that I could win you. Give me new life. Come to my house. I want this relationship to be new. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Will you stand with us all over the room? out like this. Maybe you want to raise your hand. Maybe you want to put your hands on your heart. Father, I pray over every man, woman, boy, and girl today that have found themselves climbing high, trying to impress God, trying to, trying to earn your love, have been caught up with their reputation, stuck on their limitation, caring too much about the population, so they've turned to their perspiration, they've turned to their works, they've turned trying to impress you, trying to climb high. But today, God, I pray they come down out of that tree and they find a life-giving relationship with you in a brand new way. In Jesus' name. If you believe it today, give God a big praise in the house.